0: Hello and welcome to episode 37 of The Overlooked Show. Uh, it is your boss and CEO, George, with my man, Andreas. What's going on, George?
1: Big, uh, big week ahead and big week behind us, and uh, we're getting a lot closer to that election, so things are really starting to heat up.
0: Nine days until the election. Uh, pretty crazy that it's this close. Uh, never, wow, it's just, it's, just, it's just mind-boggling. We've been through, you know, four years of the Trump presidency. We'll see this election Uh, Coming up on November 3rd, we might not have the answers for you uh, the night of or even the day after, uh, but we also might. So we will keep you guys posted on Election Day with uh, special, special broadcasts uh, from Overlooked uh, Plus Team. Now, in terms of uh, in terms of the company, uh, we're actually moving on from a very important week, uh, as this week was the College Media Association uh, and Associated Collegiate Press's national uh, convention of newspapers. So I was talking to a lot of newspapers. I was working on East, East Coast time. It kind of sucked. I had to wake up at four every day. But uh, we talked to you know hundreds of newspapers, uh, and we'll be adding several more in to Overlooked uh, very shortly. Uh, you'll see some significant product updates coming along. Uh, but frankly, we all know we're here for Andreas. So I will shut up and uh, let my man do what he does best, uh, which is report.
1: Well, George, I don't know if you uh, had the chance to watch the debate on Thursday. It was the final debate, the second debate. There was supposed to be three. We only got two, but that's okay. Because uh, it wasn't as rambunctious and rowdy as the first debate. Uh, a lot more civil. Now, there were still some jabs at each other. There were interruptions every year and there. But the mute button was used only for the opening two minutes okay. of each section. I think Christi- Kristen Welker from NBC News deserves a lot of credit. She was able to keep it from getting rowdy. Granted, she didn't have to deal with all the stuff that Chris Wallace had to deal with because it just, you know, it seems like Trump was trying to take a more reserved tone. How, you know, who won the debate? That's, uh, you know, up to speculation. I think both candidates benefited from it. You know, some big issues were discussed. The coronavirus was discussed. Probably the biggest part of the debate, Biden at least, as far as uh, making his case, was immigration. You know, the report came out last week that 545 children who were separated under the Trump administration at the border, the lawyers who were uh, tasked to find their parents, they can't find the parents. So that was a really big issue that Trump had to deal with at the debate. It's definitely one of the biggest stains on modern American history. And Biden really did well in that portion of the debate because it, it's really hard to defend a separation policy. That's not uh, what the United States is about. So Trump had a lot of difficulty in that. Now, on, uh, in Trump's uh, defense, he was able to get Biden on fracking. You know, Biden has flip-flopped a little bit on the issue. He said, oh, I want to get rid of fracking. And then now he's saying, I support, I'm not going to get rid of fracking. You know, Biden is really trying to navigate a lot of things here compared to Trump. You know, Biden, he's trying to unify a whole, you know, a whole variety of voters. He's trying to make sure he can unify the progressives and the moderates. He's trying to get the independents. And he's also trying to pull over a lot of Republicans who might policy-wise agree with Trump but are a little, you know, hesitant because of the rhetoric. So he's trying to appeal to a lot of different voters here. Whereas Trump really is just trying to make sure he keeps the Republican Party and gets as many independents as he can, but he's yeah. not really trying to make inroads with moderate Democrats. So by I just thought point. that
0: was the uh, significance of his more you know mo- moderate town. Uh, the second debate, the interrupting in the first debate definitely didn't look good for him. So I, you know, you it's not just it's not just that it's coming from the candidate themselves, but it's also coming from the advisors before the debates on all the talk shows saying that you can expect a more civil debate because. Well, that's kind of what the strategy is uh, for the campaign. Now, the mics, maybe we should do more of that because I felt it really felt like the American people were who won because, uh, you know, it really put these candidates on the spot and made them answer questions.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely, George, you know, uh, there, I, I actually remember watching, you know, one of Trump's answers. He did get cut off by the mic um, just because he went over the two minute time limit. You know, I think. For future practices. It's best that we have candidates who can respect the rules. Uh, I think that's the least we should expect from the leaders of the free world. But, but we can yeah, use
0: technology. We can use technology to help make sure that they have to. It, you know, it, we can. Uh, I think in conclusion about the debate, it's
1: hard to say who benefited from it. I, You know, on one hand, Trump reassured some voters who don't like the antics and the persona of Trump, but they like the policy. On the other hand, he it didn't really seem like he was able to make inroads into the voter blocks that he was trying to win over, which, of course, is suburban women, where he trails about 15 to 20 points. He got Joe Biden on the fracking. But the question is, do suburban women, you know, is that really a salient issue for them? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the answer is likely no.
0: Can we talk about early voting and how yeah. much how how much peop, how many people have already voted already? I think it's northward of the 50 million Americans.
1: Yeah, so that's like another reason why the debate might probably will not have that big of an impact on the election at the time it took place. I think about forty-five to fifty million people had already voted, and now the number is above fifty million, which is about a third, almost a third of the voting block, and that's a pretty substantial amount. I'll say this one last thing about the debate and its impact on the election. You know, right around now in twenty sixteen is when Trump started to make big inroads into Hillary Clinton's lead, especially in the swing states, uh, because he had the Comey emails. He did fairly well in the last debate against Clinton. He didn't get that this time. He didn't get that little boost from the debate and he doesn't have a Comey investigation coming out. He's trying to go after Joe Biden. He wants the Justice Department to press charges for some unfounded conspiracy theories, Obamagate, which of course, uh, the Justice Department did their whole investigation. They ended it without even issuing a report because there, there was nothing there. It's a little sad to see this. This isn't really a function of government. So right now, Unless something groundbreaking takes place in the next nine days, it looks like uh, the polls aren't going to shift much. How
0: accurate are the polls? We don't know. Polls were wrong um, in twenty sixteen, so you know what I'd say is don't listen to the polls. Right? Go out and make go out and make sure you vote. Don't not vote uh, based on what you're seeing on the polls. I mean, everyone has a voice, uh, of course. And, that- and
1: of course, George, you know the other thing is is let's say something comes out about Biden three days before the election. By that point, we're already going to have about half, more than half of the populace. More than half of eligible voters who have already voted. Uh, So the Trump campaign is running out of time, if that's what they're counting on. They're going to a ton of different swing states. uh, And so is Biden. And now Biden has a Barack Obama campaigning for him. He started off in Philadelphia an event in Philadelphia. I think he was in Miami yesterday. And so that's a good surrogate for Biden to have. But, you know, as we've, as we've been saying, George, the polls are only, you know, they're just, they're not, they're not always accurate. So just
0: sample it's a small sample size. This is how news organizations run. You sample a certain amount of people, but it's not the entire electorate. So, you know, make sure you get out there and vote. I went and I actually voted today. Uh, it felt kind of good. And uh, I lost my sticker because I had a voting, I voted sticker. And I- yeah. And the other thing, you know, you have the polls and blah, blah, blah,
1: blah, blah. But it really is going to come down to the swing states. And yep. uh, a lot of these swing states look pretty neck and neck. Florida, especially, Pennsylvania is another big
0: one. Pennsylvania, I feel like the election's kind of going to come down to Pennsylvania.
1: Yeah, you know, Trump is going to, if he wants to, what he's going to have to do, he's going to have to virtually replicate what he did in 2016.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, if Biden is mm-hmm. I mean, in Florida, Florida winning Pennsylvania, winning, uh, what was Michigan, not Wisconsin, or no, Ohio. Trump won, Trump won every swing state in the book,
1: basically. He won Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. and Very Ohio.
0: close yeah. margins too.
1: Very um, close margins. Ohio is not as close.
0: Five or tens of thousands of votes in some of those states, I believe it was right.
1: I think, I think, I think Pennsylvania was decided by about twenty thousand votes. So he's going to have to replicate that, George, because if uh, if Biden is able to carry all the blue states that we expect him to carry, and if he pulls Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, well, Trump, can win. Yeah, Trump can win. Trump can still win Florida. He can win North Carolina, Arizona, Georgia, Iowa, and Ohio. And it won't mean anything if Biden is just able to pull those three
0: states. Uh, That's what uh, I'm saying. I feel election. like it, it really comes down to Pennsylvania, uh, you know, almost in these elections uh, over past recent years. You know, you talk about Florida, you talk, you know, Florida is definitely a big a big swing state. Right. Uh, but you've definitely, you know, with with DeSantis winning. Right. It's definitely, you know, has a strong Republican base in Florida. But Pennsylvania is a very big swing state with a lot of delegates. And that is a state that really, you know, 2016 came down to Pennsylvania. Uh, And I have a feeling that 2020 is going to come down early prediction here, uh, Andreas, to Pennsylvania. Uh, And that's certainly why you're seeing the candidates uh, and even surrogates like Obama really taking uh, Pennsylvania very seriously. We may know the answer to the election uh, based on one or two of those swing states if it's a wide enough margin. Uh, yeah, but if, in the case it's not, we might be in a situation where we're, we're reviewing vote counts for the next two or three weeks after the election, and that's going to be a really interesting time period, especially if Trump begins to dispute the results of the election uh, while he's still lame duck uh, serving in office. Uh, There's going to be some really interesting things going on. But what I can say is that the media is there to protect our institutions, to literally be the watchdogs on our government. So in the case of, you know, the fake news era, the one place you can truly uh, rely on government and its institutions and really just seeing the system work is this election. You can trust that you're going to be able to vote. There's not going to be wild interference. There's interference going online on the social networks. I'm seeing this happen every day. Thankfully, we built Overlook to repel that in the future, uh, but go ahead and vote by mail. It's definitely very safe and very low, you know, historical, you know, examples of fraud, widespread fraud in American elections, uh, pretty well protected and uh, the, the processes done by the media organizations to actually report the elections. Uh, that's why if you've ever watched election night and you flip between CNN and Fox, they're getting results in almost identically to, at the same time. So they're covering the reports based on the uh, the precincts coming in from the states, the precincts coming in from each state when those states do make those results public. So, you know, really exciting day coming up on November 3rd. Yeah, George. And let me just
1: talk a little bit about Florida and Pennsylvania and a little bit about the Democrat strategy. You know, Trump cannot win without Florida. That's 29 electoral votes. Obviously, you know, technically, theoretically, he could win without Florida, but that is a critical, critical state. you
0: um, have to win what? Iowa, Ohio,
1: he, if Michigan? He was, uh, if he, if he Florida, lost... Florida. He would have to win Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. Got it. Um, okay, so he really, and of course, and of course, he'd have to carry every other state except Michigan. Now, here's the thing about Florida: the Democrats. You know, you have Mike Bloomberg pouring in a lot of money of Obama campaigning. Part of this strategy might not be for the Democrats to win Florida, but to make Trump have to defend Florida and lose focus on other swing states. Uh, you know, the Trump campaign knows if they don't win Florida, their chances are virtually non-existent. So by pouring in a lot of money in Florida, especially from Bloomberg and the DNC and the Lincoln Project, if they're able to force Trump to campaign a lot in Florida instead of Michigan, and Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, that's a strategy that could see them win the election. So that's a, that's a big thing that the Democrats are doing now. Let me give you my bold prediction for the election and no one's gonna believe me, but that's okay. Well, two predictions. I'll give you one, actually, just to keep it a little as impartial as possible. But my gut feeling is Georgia flips to Biden for the first time since 1992. Um, that oligo go Democrat. Uh, Biden's doing pretty well in the polls there in Georgia. They're seeing huge turnout levels. Uh, I think this might be the year that Georgia goes blue. I don't see Texas flipping, flipping blue this year. Um, but that's also a state that the Trump campaign has to pour money into because uh, the polls are a little too close for
0: comfort right now. Um what about Minnesota? Minnesota seems like it's going to go. Like, that seems like it's the blue state that Trump's trying to flip red. We've seen campaigning going on in Minnesota. Yeah,
1: I mean, so the thing about Minnesota is it went to Clinton in 2016. Right now it's polling pretty well in Biden's favor. The thing about Minnesota is the Trump campaign needs to weigh all the different factors. You know, do you want to campaign hard in Minnesota for 10 electoral votes or do you want to secure Florida or Pennsylvania? with 20 and 30 and 29, respectively. Yeah, it looks
0: like the Trump campaign certainly keeping their eye on Pennsylvania as that, so to speak, bluer state that they want to flip again, kind of like they did in 2016, going after the Midwest states.
1: Yeah, and you got got to remember, George, that they're not getting the October surprise that they wanted. And, um, you know, they're not seeing the jumps in the polls that they saw in 2016
0: you know. The October surprise uh, this year. Is it Borat? <laughs> is the it, October surprise. George, there's been two October surprises. Is it, is it Borat sending his daughter uh, to hang out with Rudy Giuliani privately in a bed? Yeah, I that saw was that movie last night. And I recommend that everyone who has not seen Borat, the second Borat, goes and sees it because it was very pertinent to the election.
1: Yeah, um, that was not a good look for Rudy. Uh, no doubt. Rudolph Giuliani not looking good there. But for. I mean, the only October surprises really have been, I think, the the $750 income tax for Donald Trump. I think that report might have come out late September. Um, You also had the report recently that Trump has a Chinese bank account. You had Um, the
0: New York Post article about Hunter Biden which people were obviously, you know, disputing the accuracy of, you know, and I'm sure a lot of Republicans would call that the October surprise. You had what else? I mean, there hasn't really yeah, been. The, the problem with that. that, that, was, that they, I think you know, honestly, it has to the October surprise really had to be that Trump got coronavirus. Definitely, I don't know how much it changes the election.
1: I'll put it this way though: the the, the Hunter Biden story. You know, this laptop has been in the FBI's possession since December, or the hard drive at least. And nothing's come of it. The Republicans have led multiple investigations in Congress. Nothing has come of it. Um, Steve Schmidt, one of the founders of the Lincoln Project, is, you know, he's like, I run against Biden. You know, I've strategized for campaigns against Biden before. There's no dirt on him. Uh, So it's really not going to get the traction. Of course, there's a lot of suspicion that these uh, allegations are completely false and even Russian-driven, but I don't. I don't want to have anyone quote myself on that because I haven't really looked into it too much. But there's a lot of other developments going on right now in the United yeah, and, States,
0: and we'll keep we'll keep you guys posted on the uh, any potential October surprises between now and the election. Uh, Andreas, let's move on to our next topic: the coronavirus. Cases are spiking all across the United States. Uh, whereas just of yesterday, I believe we had the single highest case count uh, total in our country. Am I mistaken? Uh, we keep breaking records, George.
1: Trump says we're rounding the corner. Every time they ask you know, the White House to explain what they mean, they always talk about therapeutics. But if you're looking at infection rates, uh, we are not rounding the corner at all. We, bro- we have broken our record for most infections in a day, two days in a row now. I think we had 85,000 on Friday. Um, I was watching BBC this morning. They said we had 89,000 yesterday. So 89,000 is the most cases we've had in a day. We could be seeing 100,000 cases a day. This is not a disease that you want to play games with. The mortality rate in the United States is dropping. It seems like hospitals are becoming better at treating this, Um, but that doesn't eliminate the fact that some people are gonna die from this virus, and cases are on the rise. I mean, 89,000 cases is a lot, you know? A lot of cases. You're seeing big spikes in Europe, too. I think France had about 50,000 cases yesterday, which is gargantuan. It's crazy,
0: our- it's crazy how it's really flourishing as, as just the winter is coming, uh, how the disease is becoming more prevalent. Yeah, George, and
1: for our Greek viewers out there, Greece is reporting record number cases. Not super high, you know, about 890 cases in a day. But, uh, you know, that's still records for Greece. It definitely is popping off in Europe. But we got to remember, George, you know, we're living in the United States right now. 89,000 cases in a day is not a good sign. It's particularly bad in the Midwest. Uh, You have uh, states like Wisconsin where they have overflow hospitals, you know, field hospitals that have been set up. Um, ICUs are filling up. You got to remember, you know, in these states like South Dakota, for instance, Uh, And I I can't speak for their infection rates. You know, they might not be as densely populated. It might be a little bit harder for the virus to be transmitted. But you also have to consider the fact that they don't have the medical capacity that a Mm -hmm. city like New York does. These rural hospitals in these, uh, you know, counties in the Dakotas, they don't have a lot of ICU beds, you know. A lot of rural hospitals have like, you know, maybe two to three ventilators on standby, you know, in case there's like a car accident, someone's in a coma, you know, they're not prepared. Uh, to have an influx of 10 patients who need to be intubated. So people need to be careful uh, just because- wear your
0: mask. Probably- Seriously, people, wear your mask, okay? Got mine right here, go Lakers. Please wear your mask because this is gonna be a very tough winter uh, with respect to the coronavirus. And one last
1: thing I'll say, Georgino, it might not kill as many people proportionately as it was back in March, which is obviously a good sign, but you don't wanna end up in the hospital with this thing. It can lead to permanent damage or at least- long-term damage, you know, obviously, maybe you'll recover in a year. We don't know because the virus is only about a year old at this point. But you don't want to end up in the hospital with this. Uh, So this is something that needs to be taken seriously. Fauci uh, has been saying that, you know, we'll have a vaccine hopefully being distributed within, you know, the next year. But he also said we could be wearing masks for beyond 2021. So this is something we need to take seriously, George. And uh, I obviously encourage all the viewers, put on a mask, you know, if you can socially distance, do it. Don't go to the big party of 20 to 30 people, you know, keep the gatherings small as possible. And even those, you know, the CDC is saying a lot of the infection is being driven by small gatherings, you know, where you're just thinking, oh, my friend hasn't really been many places in the last couple of weeks. So it's okay if we just have our families meet up, just eight people. But of course, that's always a risk that's going to be taken. And sometimes it does lead to infection. So I know I'm getting a little bit redundant here, but it needs to be taken seriously because the infection rates are not going the way we want them to.
0: Got it. And our last topic, uh, and I'll I'll wrap us up with this, Andreas. But the Dodgers, man, lost a tough game last night. World Series is two two. So uh, we'll keep you guys posted as the uh, baseball World Series keeps uh, keeps uh, keeps on rolling. It's a good yeah, series. Yeah, they're, go. they're playing
1: tonight. So by the time this podcast gets posted, we'll see who's up three two. But um, crazy game last night. Wild,
0: piled game. game actually. One of the best World Series games I've seen in a long time. Yeah. Uh, And on that note, we're going to wrap up episode 37 of The Overlooked Show. Uh, We have made it 37 episodes, so not too shabby. Uh, Please subscribe to The Overlooked Show on Spotify, on YouTube, and when we release it to Apple Podcasts shortly. It's your man, Georgie, my uh, favorite journalist in the whole wide world, Andreas. Thank you, George. Good week. A lot coming up. A lot coming up, everyone. All right, you guys take care, stay healthy, wear a mask. (music)